around and disregard it. Strip you off the ground, show you what heart is. Standing strong, I'm proud of it. And I guess, let's get it started. It's the hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Strip you off the ground, show you what heart is. Standing strong, I'm proud of it. And I guess, let's get it started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grip, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, in this art he is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest podcast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now. It's time to sit and relax Get your mind blown away Ain't no skipping this track Have you paying more attention No listening gap Get everything I ever wanted No giving it back Yeah Ooh What's up everybody Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast I'm your host of The hardest part of the ring A.K.A. Kyle And boy howdy Do we got a special one we have a UK wrestling legend on today. One of my quick favorites in my uh, in my watch through of Progress Wrestling. But we're here today to talk about Progress Chapter 16. And if you are a new listener, or if you're a, a frequent listener of the old Apron Bump. But maybe you're not super familiar with progress. I got you. Just go to apronbump.com, select the episodes tab at the top, and select progress wrestling. And that'll bring you to all of my progress wrestling reviews that I've done thus far, starting from the beginning, chapter one, all the way up to now, where we are at right here, chapter 16. And geez louise, is this card stacked? I mean, Progress, I mean, this is an era where progress is hitting, just knocking that shit out of the park, you know, with their cricket bats and whatnot uh, on every show, every chapter. And this one's no different. But like, man, just going through all these chapters, like you start to like get invested in the characters and kind of see people that, you know, nowadays, whether it's from NXT UK or Japan or, or wherever. And uh Chapter 16 is the first card that I looked at and was like, whew, man, I am pumped to watch that. And after watching it, it uh, it met my expectations for sure. I mean, there is a uh, it's main evented by a triple threat match for the Progress World Championship. You got Jimmy Havoc defending against Dave Mastiff and Rampage Brown who uh, earned those slots to be number one contenders at the last chapter. So now you got Jimmy Havoc facing these two big bastards, and he's got to find a way to escape with his title belt. Yes, his belt. They finally get rid of the fucking staff on this chapter. So that that alone makes it monumental. But outside of that, we got Paul Robinson versus Will Ospreay for the Thunder Bastard title. We got a brutal street fret. Street fright? Street fight between El Ligero and Michael Gilbert, which is both brutal and hilarious at some points, but we get into it. We get a semifinal match for the Natural Progression Series 
But the story of this chapter, let's be honest, the, 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 the main takeaway, in my eyes, what was the main event, was a career versus career match. Sticks versus my guest on this episode, RJ Singh. Who man, this is some uh, this is some good shit. And if you listen to my last episode, my last progress episode, chapter 15, we talked about the promo, the promo segment that RJ Singh and Sticks had on that show. It was one of these things where when I turned chapter 15 on, I had no idea that RJ Singh and Sticks were associated with each other at all. But lo and behold, they're they're real life best friends. They, they came up together and we talk about a lot of this in the episode, but just in one segment, they, they, they tied me in. They tied the whole crowd in to a point where right here at chapter 16, this career versus career match, you can just feel how monumental it is, both from the from the crazy entrances, which I, I posted a clip of um, the match itself, the aftermath. It's just, it's all incredible. And I was so happy to have RJ Singh on here to kind of walk us through what went into the match, uh, what went into the build up to it, uh, the reaction after, uh, kind of how he bounced back and forth in wrestling after this and his transition into commentary. We talk about a lot in this show and it was really awesome to get his insight on, uh, you know, stuff that you wouldn't get unless it was from somebody who was there. So Loved having RJ on. Great guest. We talk about, obviously, not just his match here, but the entire card. I mean, we talk about how heavy the the tag shield championships are. You know, the little broken, the yin and the yang title goofy belts that they have. <laughs> Apparently, they're heavy. Apparently, they're heavy. Uh, oh, hey, by the way, this is, worth the imp- this is worth the price of admission to this episode here. We finally find out what FSU means. <laughs> I've been asking people since I started this podcast, and nobody seems to know, but finally has somebody who is uh, was behind the curtain to finally let everybody know what FSU means. But yeah, follow RJ at RJ Singh is King on Twitter. I'll put all of his social media in the description below. The dude is still going today. He's he's looking even more jacked than he was in this chapter. He's still going strong. Um that uh so does does that take away from the the career versus career match i don't know but uh <laughs> no 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 he's uh he's the rick flair of the uk i told him so which is uh not a bad thing or i guess maybe the leo rush of the uk however you want to or the terry funk whatever one you want to choose but yeah let's get right into it man why waste any more time progress chapter 16 with myself and the king rj singh how have you been, man? How you doing? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Just uh, yeah, busy, busy as life is these days. Just uh, on my uh, kind of, I don't know what you call them in stateside. We we have like a half term, so I'm on a break from school at the right. moment. Okay, so it's kind of the week school's closed for this week. So uh, lucky you. Yeah, we get them like every like you know we get them seven to eight every seven to eight weeks. We have like a half term that just splits up the. Spits up the term and then obviously on to the next holiday be Christmas and stuff. So, right, yeah. So the teacher stuff isn't just a uh, a gimmick. It's, no, it's a no, thing, yeah, huh? no. I'm a uh, yeah, no. I'm a uh, I'm a head teacher now, so you know, uh, principal. 
principal to you, of course. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And you just came back. You just kind of recently came back to the the wrestling scene, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I I, I didn't stay away very long, um, mm-hmm. as long as I intended, anyway. Um, right. So I, you know, I took that retirement kind of break, you know, whatever you want to call it, back in 2014. Right. So we kind of like had that break in 2014. But by 2015, like a promoter had convinced me to go do like some manager manager work. Right. Um, so I was like working a manager in 2015 for a company. Um, and then literally, must have been that same year, that same year Progress then contacted me again and were like, you know, we'd really love to have you on commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't, might have been about chapter 20. I couldn't tell the top of my head. I think it was about chapter 20. I then went into comms uh, and I was on comms with them for then a good two, three years or something like that. Um, back with okay. and, but, but, and it was kind of in the, the second half of 2016, I stepped back in the ring. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I actually, I looked it up cause I was curious cause you know, spoiler alert, you know, this is your last match for a while, allegedly. Right. Yeah. And uh, I guess you, you kind of popped in and out um, for a few years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, in terms of progress, you were there for what, like four or five years? Yeah, I mean, I, I was there from their second show, um, so right. like show number two. I was supposed to be on show number one, right? Um, but I couldn't uh, for, for for personal reasons. It was uh, so. I mean, and that was kind of that was kind of a lot of what feeds into this um, mm-hmm. this whole story. Like what 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 was happening in real life parallel to all this um, was my wife and I were trying for a baby for years. So all mm-hmm. the way back in. We, you know, we started trying back in 2011, um, and you know, we'd we'd had our first, you know, uh, we'd had our first miscarriage and whatnot, um, mm-hmm. just the week before the first progress show. Oh, really? Um, so I was due to I was I was built I was built against Colt Cabana, so I was going to wrestle Colt Cabana on show number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a week before that happened, my wife went into hospital and everything, so I like had to, I had to pull out the show. So um, of course, yeah. And end up being replaced, and then yeah. So then I didn't actually sort of come into progress until chapter two, right? Um, and I'd obviously, you know, from that point on, from sort of was that 2012. So for the two years, I was pretty much there. You know, most chapters, mm-hmm. um, I was there then. So for that for that bit of time, so um, I try. I, I think I'm. I'm just trying to think if I had spent more time on comms than I did. Uh, right. Yeah. I've, 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 I've heard because it's for context. So I've you know I've never seen progress other than what I've covered in my podcast so far and i've kind of started from the beginning and i've, I've worked my way to where we are now chapter 16 um and i've always i've heard that you were on commentary i wasn't sure how long but you said you were on commentary for a good amount of time right yeah i mean i think i think i think i was there on comms until the end of 2017 okay i think it was about around that i can't remember if it was either 2017 or 2018 right um was when I was there. Is that something that you enjoyed commentary? Yeah, I, re- I mean, I loved it. I, I thought it was great. You know, I really enjoyed doing it. It was good, you know, and um, I was pretty much working in a two or three man team. So I was either working with Glenn uh, or I was working with Callum. And occasionally so when, when you get to the big Brixton show, mm-hmm. um, then we that was the first time we did a three man team. Okay. Um, and then, And from then on, we were kind of mixing up a different, you know, when progress were in London, it was a lot easier for me and Glenn to do it um, because we were both. You know, I, I live near London. Glenn was in London, so yeah. it was easy to do that. But when when they're up north in Manchester, it was Callum. Callum lived in Scotland, so it was kind of easier for him to come down mm-hmm. and there. So we we kind of got to mix up, and yeah, we had we you know we had some really 
really enjoyed commentary. It was really good. It was really good to kind of watch everything from that perspective. Right. Um, and see things see things slightly differently, I guess you could say. Um, but it was it was it was enjoyable, and uh, I think the only time I didn't enjoy it, there was the one time I didn't enjoy it was uh, uh, I can't remember the chapter because my memory is terrible. Um, and without giving too much spoilers away, it was one of the big uh, big progress title matches. Mm-hmm. It was probably like the, the biggest one at that point, and we recorded it completely blew our voices out because we were like screaming so much. That's a good we, sign. It's a good sign for the show. I got a message like three days later um, from Progress, and they were like, "We're really sorry. Like the audio failed. The the whole file is corrupted. Wow. Um, we can't we can't use the audio at all. Like, can you can you come round to Glenn's uh, one night in the week, and we'll re-record the entire show? Um, oh, and I only say that because it was trying to muster up the same energy. Like, obviously, yeah. you know, watching watching it live because we would record live. All our commentary was live." <laughs> So trying to muster up that same energy again yeah. was really tricky. Like, you know, to be able to be go like, oh, it's so exciting. I, I <laughs> can't believe it. No, no, I can't believe it because yeah. I saw it already. <laughs> exactly. So that that was that was probably the trickiest one we had to yeah. do was trying to re-record that, trying to give the same sort of enthusiasm, you know, even though you were knowing, knowing what was coming. So. Right. But apart from that, I had a blast. It was, it was great fun. It was, it was great fun. Yeah, I mean, that just shows the, the incredible range that you have. I mean, because you came in – you're kind of comedic at a lot of points, but then in this chapter is every, it's super serious and mm. you know, to, to each end, I think you nailed both ends of the spectrum. So, um, yeah, big fan of you. Cause I, I had not really heard much about you until I started going through these shows, but obviously a quick fan of you. And, uh, I think it's some of your best work, at least that I've seen on this chapter. Thank you. And I think you said on Twitter that you, you thought the same, that this was some of your best work here with sticks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know what 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 we kind of didn't have time to get across uh in, in in progress which the only thing you know my only regret looking back now was that we had you know i wish i'd pushed for kind of starting it a bit earlier just to give it maybe three four chapters right. worth of time because we kind of did it over two chapters which i still think was incredible that we managed to kind of convey the entire story into in just two chapters mm-hmm. from you know from one segment and then a match um, in between, we did actually do a, a, a live YouTube. It was like an hour-long live YouTube interview right. between the two of us, where we kind of carried on the storyline. Oh, there, we, cool. we, we, we did this. You know, we did this interview. Where we were both talking about what was going to happen and, and things like that. So we managed to kind of ex- expand it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think to kind of condense the whole story, because you know, if it, for, for those fans who were regulars of British wrestling and had. Uh, I don't know if you heard of a company called FWA. FWA was kind of like the hot property in the early two thousands. Okay, um, they were like the they were the people who brought like AJ Styles over here in like two thousand four, two thousand five, right. when he was on the rise and stuff. So, uh, and me and Sticks, we both trained with FWA, and we were wrestling with it, and we had wrestled multiple times. You know, yeah, and you know, and all the kind of stuff. You know, being being the you know best men at each other's wedding. That is all hundred percent true. Um, it's funny we're recording this tonight. Actually, it sticks his 40th birthday today. Oh, really? Uh, today, yeah, he turned 40. Today. I turned 40 back in May, and sticks uh, turns 40 today. Um, and we were chatting about this last week. So you know, um, so you know, we 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 really are good friends in real life. You know, and it's uh, we've wrestled each other loads. So we really did have quite a history together. Like you know, on that sort of you know the British independent circuit mm-hmm. when we 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 kind of came up wrestling in the Midlands a lot. So. Um, yeah, so we kind of had that, and we had to kind of condense that entire history into just right. that one promo, and then into the match as well. Um, 
but yeah, I think what what was good about that match is like I think you know to to watch the match back now it's like the best of every single match we had ever had mm-hmm. in all our time up until that point. You know, in the sort of the the, the, the eleven odd years we'd been wrestling at that point, um, we kind of put it all together into that match. So that and that's kind of the story we told. So yeah, it's 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 probably one of those things that I just look back on with with real fondness. Yeah. Um, just yeah so, you know you, I, I really do it's, i think some of the best stuff i ever did really yeah for sure yes but that element of realism and legitimacy behind it i think definitely adds and you could tell as a viewer that that translates th- through the screen for sure mm. and uh we'll get into the details of the match a little bit later but <laughs> this uh i gotta bring up the entrance man because you you set me it on uh, i guess it's a youtube link right and this is before i watched the show and i was like why is he sending me the entrance why is that so crucial then i watched it as I was watching the show, I was like, wow, this is incredible. <laughs> the, uh, so you like come out to like, sing as King, I guess is the title of the song, right? And I hear it, and this is the first, obviously, the first time I'm hearing the song, and I'm like, is that, is that fucking Snoop Dogg singing RJ Singh's theme song? <laughs> it's like, no, maybe it's just a guy that sounds like Snoop Dogg. But then I go to Spotify, and lo and behold, it's on Spotify. It's got tons of views, and it says Snoop Dogg there. So it's like, wow, that was, uh, <laughs> now it's, I've, it's been in my head all all day by the way the thing is like all day just walking through my house yeah. it's incredible how did, how did you manage to uh to get that to happen well here's the here's the thing um it's not actually like it's not a custom piece of music it is it is um a piece of music that's written for a film called sing is king oh yeah i guess it's kind of an evergreen glass it's a common last name so i guess that makes sense that's yeah. it it's a um it's a 2007 bollywood uh-huh. movie um which is really wacky um it's it's such a bizarre it's a really it's like a comedy uh-huh. um uh and for some bizarre reason that the title of the film is sing is king and the king has got two ends mm-hmm. um but yeah so um it was you know i actually because i started using the phrase sing is king when i discovered that film so i saw that film and it called sing is king i was like that is a, <laughs> that is a cool catchphrase that is a right i'm stealing yeah. that so i kind of took that catchphrase and i was like right and then um, obviously I'd be listening to the, you know, when, I mean, I, I, it came out in 2007, but I didn't discover mm-hmm. this film till, you know, a little bit, um, sort of into 2013. Um, and so I'd been using different music in progress up until that point. Um, but obviously on the progress DVDs, they did, they don't show the entrances because of the copyright on right. the music and whatnot, which is why the entrance isn't on the DVD and why it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so when we got to that last, when we got to that show, um, I'd, I'd really, I'd always wanted to because I was doing the kind of the Bollywood character. I was always like, I really want to do this big Bollywood entrance. Mm-hmm. And this felt like, well, this is kind of, you know, at the time, you know, it was like, well, this is it. This is my last chance to kind of do it. And I pitched it to, to progress and they were like, yeah, absolutely. This sounds great. Let's go for it. Um, so I rounded up friends, trainees, other wrestlers uh, who could be as part of the entrance. Right. Uh, and, you know, if you, um, if you look really closely, in that lineup, when I when I come out onto the stage, when you look really closely at the lineup, you'll spot Ginny. Uh, oh wow! Uh, current NXT UK yeah. superstar Ginny is in that lineup. Uh, Roy Johnson, um, who'd later gone to do loads of stuff in Progress as well, so mm-hmm. he's in that lineup as well. Um, so they were there, and then Progress hired a dance group, which are the four people who are in the ring. Um, so they're doing that, and then I said, right, we've got to use this music, Sing is King. Like we've got to use right. this track, which was which was written for the film um and so we we're like they were like yeah okay cool let's do it and so we actually had a rehearsal we had we had like one rehearsal during the day yeah um um just to kind of get positioning and kind of knowing what i'd be doing which is kind of just 
you know, flapping about really in the middle of the ring while these <laughs> poor pro- professional dancers were doing their thing. Um, but they just wanted to get the timing right and make sure, you know, I came out on the right chorus and, you know, built up like that. So, and I think, I mean, I think it really paid off. I think it was one, it was obviously without a shadow of doubt, one of the best entrances I've ever done personally. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, it, it kind of got such a great reaction. Um, and yeah, the song is such an earworm. Like so many people say, you know, they hear that song once or twice and then that's it. They're just singing that song. Oh, it's on my workout <laughs> playlist now. Don't, don't you worry. <laughs> Man, you can, it is an amazing song. you can dance, you can wrestle, you can commentate. Is there anything you can't do, bud? Oh, gosh. <laughs> get, get. Get signed to a major company. <laughs> <laughs> you're still you're still a young lad. I don't know what you're talking about. You should. I mean, money on the table if, if they're not taking you up. There we go. There we go. But yeah, so progress chapter 16. Were you able to make time to watch the show? Yeah, I've got what I've done. I kind of shot through it quite quickly, but I made myself some notes and stuff on kind Beautiful. of the major points of each match. So yeah, it was a it was a great chat. I mean, progress, especially in this era, every show's like mm. incredible incredible. I mean, is just hitting like I guess really when British wrestling in the Indies is starting to kind of get some steam here. Cause for a long time, and yeah. especially I guess when you were starting, it wasn't super prominent, I guess. Right. In the early two thousands. No, So we, we kind of went through dips and troughs. So when I first came in, in the early, so I debuted in like 2001. Um, so FWA, as I said, as I mentioned earlier, FWA were kind of running the big shows that were getting a lot of attention. Yeah. It was kind of, FWA was the place a lot of the American indie guys were coming over to to get to get kind of UK exposure. So, you know, we had we had AJ Styles, we had Brian Danielson, um, uh, Claudio Castanelli came over, like Paul mm-hmm. London, you know, you kind of the Crystal Daniels was another one. You name all the guys who are like the most prominent guys now. They all kind of at one point or the other came to FWA pretty much and came to UK. So I kind of came then and and like FWA had been built very much on the ECW model. They they modeled it very mm-hmm. much on ECW, which had obviously just just kind of filtered out at that point. Um, and so that was the kind of place everyone wanted to be. As I said, we we kind of trained there, so we went through this kind of real upward boom from sort of 2002 till about 2005, right. and then around 2006 2007 we just started dropping again like yeah. houses started going down again money wasn't there um you know fw was was running at a loss so we then sort of plummeted again so we would back down to like you know across britain you know you were looking at again like 200 people in in a house for mm-hmm. a show that kind of thing and then around 2011 things started picking up again so you started seeing those other shows sort of cropping yeah. up um, and then obviously progress was in the works around 2011 and then obviously came in 2012. So, and then that's when the big upswing mm-hmm. kind of came back then. Yeah. Really, so. Yeah. I'm curious because ring of honor, I cover ring of honor on this podcast as well. And I've been covering 2002 was, was when they started. And even from the beginning ring of honor, they were bringing people from Japan, from the UK, from everywhere. Do you think that ties in at all with kind of the upward boom? Cause I guess maybe people in America are kind of discovering people from the UK and then also mm. maybe maybe that's why UK wrestling went down a few years later is because everybody was going to Ring of Honor. Do you think there's any tie-in at all with that? Well, I mean, there, there was a working agreement between FWA and Ring of Honor, right. um, mostly which was fostered, I imagine, through Doug Williams. Um, because obviously Doug Williams was one of the, he was, you know, he was the most well-known British wrestler at that time. Mm-hmm. He was the FWA champion. Um, and he was working with, with you know, alongside Ring of Honor mm-hmm. uh, at that time as well. So I think a lot of it got fostered through Doug. Um, but they held, um, 
one of the big shows in York Hall was uh, Frontiers of Honor, um, of which I think I was on that one. I was getting thrown around by a guy called Paul Birchill, mm-hmm. who went oh, on yeah. to be signed by the, the pirate. He went on to be signed by yeah, the pirate. <laughs> Paul Birchill, that's right. Um, uh, and so you can see a very very young me getting just tossed about the ring mm-hmm. in that match. Uh, but yeah, so that was like one of the, the first times the, 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 the two companies collaborated uh, on the Frontiers of Honor show. Gotcha. Which which was a big deal at the time, you know. And as I said, you then had that working agreement um, between the two and, you know, had a lot there. So I think that, that kind of helped. We were getting a lot of Ring of Honor stars over here mm-hmm. um, at that time. So, but as I said, but then, you know, but then the money ran out. So right. suddenly we were running shows and all these American, no, the top American independent guys were you know they weren't being flown over anymore so you know you're trying to they were trying to draw on homegrown talent and that wasn't really enough to keep people getting interested at the time so you kind of still needed that back then you still needed to have that that sort of name draw from america to help to help sell the houses right no yeah that makes a lot of sense um but in speaking of indie wrestling the first match on the show we got screw indie wrestling facing off against fsu for the tag team championships uh, so first of all, so I've had various, you know, other podcasters and friends come on and talk about progress in the early days. No one seems to know what FSU stands for. Do you have any idea? <laughs> you, you've literally been in the ring with them. I hope, you know, uh, there's, there's two, there's two meanings actually to it. Um, okay. but first of all, I will point out, um, many times on commentary, I kept screwing this up and I kept uh-huh. saying, uh, SFU. <laughs> and I used to have I used to have Glenn nudging me and nudging me and literally I had to write it down in bold letters on my pad like <laughs> SFU yeah. because I just kept getting it wrong I kept saying SFU for some reason I couldn't know, but that kind of rolls off the tongue more yeah I can see that so um, so the official family friendly version uh-huh. is Friends Stand United oh that's so wholesome there you go yeah right. But the deeper one, which I'm pretty sure came from the horse's mouth of Eddie Dennis, it stands for fuck shit up. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very different, uh, very different themes. <laughs> I guess, you know, some nights they come out as one, some the other. It depends who they're facing. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, 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 yeah that, and they kind of left it as like, well, we're not sure, you know, they, it, take it take it to be either one, whichever one you fancy on the night. That's, that's the one we are. That's what FSU stands for. I think both are great in their own ways, personally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got FSU now just saying it, it's going to make me smile every time I say it now versus <laughs> screw indie wrestling to open the show. Um, so I guess, apparently Mark Haskins has a knee injury here, so he can't compete alongside, uh, Sean's Shaw Samuels. Uh, so Haskins has the mic in his hand and he calls out rampage Brown, who is a, a former member of screw indie wrestling. I guess there was never really an official breakup rampage mm. kind of just split off and it organically was getting over as a baby face. So kind of separated himself from that. But so Rampage comes out. He says uh, he says he's done with the screw indie wrestling stuff. Um, he has a match later, so he doesn't want to get involved with this. But then out comes Martin Stone, a.k.a. Danny Birch, gives Rampage a huge cutter. And uh, then all the screw indie wrestling guys beat up on Rampage. Haskins is injured, I guess, but I guess he's like technically isn't cleared, but he's still moving around pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah, my main takeaway here is that Danny Burch is like a whole different side of, uh, I guess, Martin Stone here, but it's completely different than the Danny Burch we see in WWE. It's like he's super charismatic here. Mm. I'm almost wondering if he's just like too, too vulgar to be let loose in WWE. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, when 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 
and I'm, I will apologize. I'm just going to call him Martin because I've obviously known him. Yeah. I know him for years as Martin. Martin. Martin was kind of like that very British thug kind of gimmick, yes. but, but a bit borderline. Like, but you know, could wrestle. Um, you know, and and that was his kind of whole shtick over here, and that's kind of how he built his reputation on being this kind of very hard hitting, you know. Mm-hmm skinheaded you know bruiser kind of guy you know he was a massive you know coming into us and martin was a massive fan of like dynamite kid um chris benoit that kind of style of mm-hmm. wrestling so that kind of really hard hitting style so um and i do think yeah the kind of the version you get in nxt is a much more sanitized danny birch is much more sanitized version of iron stone yeah um uh but martin could go, martin was always a pleasure to work with like could 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 really go in the ring could mm-hmm. was a real general in, was a real general in the ring as well um and you know you never really saw him in progress because he kind of was dipped, you know and martin spent a lot of years back and forth in with america you know he was signed he was not signed he was signed again right. you, you know so uh and i mean you, you want to talk about journeys in wrestling i think martin's had one of the hardest and longest journeys uh-huh. to get to like you know i, I mean i last time i i said i spoke to him i sent him a message when he won the nxt tag titles yeah. uh with andy lorcan because it had been just such a long journey for him between like getting knee injuries, coming back from injuries, flying to America, getting signed, being let go, coming back over here. And around this time he was back over here because we did, we did British boot camp. Right. We had filmed TNA British boot camp before this show. And I think it aired around the same time the show took place. Um, Cause we filmed it in the summer, but it didn't air to the October. Gotcha. Um, and then, you know, and then, you know, Martin dipped in and out of like he, he he you know he started to do a bit more work with TNA after that over in America and then sort of WWE picked him up again and then that was kind of the mm-hmm. the run we saw from that point onwards. So you know it was great to have him in progress. Even I think I'm not sure. I think this may have been his only show. I'm not sure if he did another. I show. think he had he was on the show before this, but other than that, that very well maybe. Yeah, but it was great to yeah it was great to have him there and it was you know so I don't think I don't think just from these two the two chapters you'd see here you'd get the full effect of of what Martin Stone was all about right yeah because you know, like you said he's a completely different presentation than you see in WWE he's out there in like jeans and a black tank top and he's like you said just a, like a guy you'd see in a bar that would beat you up you know mm-hmm. that kind of guy and yeah in WWE he's not calling anybody uh, sheep shagging cunts so uh, <laughs> not yet at least I don't know maybe that's something that could uh, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, he calls FSU that here. And then uh, yeah. they come out. Match gets underway. Really solid opener. You know, nothing that's going to kind of overshadow anything that happens later in the show. But they did enough to where uh, the crowd was into it the whole time. Uh, FSU ends up getting the win, getting the win with the next stop driver, double stomp combo. Uh, but yeah, good match there. Did you have any thoughts on that? Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, Mark and Eddie were so over as a tag team. Yeah. Um, and actually, that was the first tag match I had in progress was against those two. Um, right. And, and it was actually the first time I'd met Eddie. I'd known Mark for a couple of years by that point, but it was the first time I met Eddie. Um, and we hit it off straight away because we were both, we were both teachers, um, mm-hmm. you know, and he went on to be a head teacher as well, just like I am now. So right. um, we, we kind of connect, me and Eddie connected straight away. Um, so, you know, we had a really enjoyable tag match. But like I said, they were totally over, you know, really enjoyable. I mean, the other person to mention in that match as well was Shah Samuels. Um, yes. Again, another NXT UK guy now. Uh, and again, Shah's had a really long journey uh, to get there. He's, he's in, incredible, as we speak, has got himself into incredible yeah. shape um, as of late. Shredded. Um, he's like, yeah, he's like used the last sort of two lockdowns, really, to kind of really work on it, on his ring shape and, you know, 
Um, and he's brilliant. He, I mean, Shah is awesome, like really fun to be in the ring with. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really kind of old school type worker, if people want to call you know, when you use those kind of phrases. Right. Um, so, yeah, it was good. You know, and as you say, it kind of, it did, the, the tag match that night did exactly what it needed to do. It needed to be that sort of enough that action just to get the crowd going without like mm-hmm. taking away too much from any other matches as well. And, you know, you, you know, FSU were so over mm-hmm. um, with the crowd at that point. And I think they were the champs, weren't they? They were the champs at that point as well. Yes. Um, which is what everybody wanted. Everyone was kind of hoping they'd be the first tag champs and stuff. So, yeah, it was it was it was a good, really fun tag match um, with with four really talented guys. What do you think about the uh, the broken progress logo shield deal that they used to represent the titles? <laughs> I, it was it was interesting. Let's put it that way. I mean, <laughs> we, I mean, we kind of were used to the staff by that point anyway. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if the belts come in by this chapter or not. It, it debuts in this chapter. It debuts in this chapter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so obviously we were used to the staff, so we kind of knew they were going to go for something a bit wacky. Right. Um, and obviously they pulled out the shields and we were like, okay, sure. Why not? You know, and they fit together, you know, you can lock right. them together yeah. and stuff like that. So, um, but what I do love is that when they finally decided they were like, no, we're just going to go for belts now. Um, obviously the, the, the design of the tag titles to this day still is obviously the two halves of the shield. Oh, okay. Um, so, the, so the current tag team belts are still those two yin yang right. signs that lock together. So I, like I, that. I think cool. it's, quite, it's cool that they, you know, it's cool they kept that. Arm, so. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, these these broken shield belts are. Uh, I don't know if cool is interesting. Is the word? Is the word? They, they were heavy as well, though. They were heavy. They were like proper weighted, like yeah. really solid. I was, I was actually really going to ask because they look like foam, but they're they're solid. <laughs> no. They're really solid. Yeah, like I think I think they were sort of you know wood covered in 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 resin or something like that or uh-huh. whatever but they were weighty yeah like, you really felt them when you picked them up right? right what about the uh i don't know how the phrase is have you ever touched the staff is, is that <laughs> is that heavy I have. absolutely uh, yeah no that was again that was a that was a weighty you know that was a weighty object as well okay. so you know they 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 i don't know you know so i think some people did think they were like kind of like light props but uh-huh. they were kind of well very well made very sturdy uh very sturdy things right yeah because jimmy havoc had, has used them like to win matches <laughs> it's like yeah is that something that's gonna knock somebody out but i guess from somebody who was there so now it all makes yeah. sense to me <laughs> um so yeah good opener there and then after that we have a natural progression series semi-final match zach gibson versus ali armstrong so the winner of this will face flash morgan webster in the finals of the nps and uh, so Ali Armstrong's out there coming out to Toxic by Britney Spears. Uh, for, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on Ali Armstrong? I'm not really sure how to how to take him. I liked Ali. Uh, he had a lot of enthusiasm. Um, yeah. He, you know, he, he came up through the Progress Training School, uh, which at the time was called the Projo. Um, he was one of the first guys to come up. So, right. uh, and Progress obviously used to run the Endeavor shows, which were kind of like the training school shows which i yeah. you know i helped out and did a did a couple of matches on those as well and so i'd met ali and you know ali ali was really willing to learn he was really you know really wanted worked hard um and he was a generally quite fun guy to be around as well so yeah you know, it was good to see him getting a shot against someone like sat gibson who it hands down was one of the best wrestlers like this country has produced um yeah Easily, easily. So I think it was the it was a really good matchup for Ali to kind of be put in there with someone like Zach, who was the perfect person to kind of really guide Ali through being on a bigger stage, being in you know re, you know from being in what the the previous venue of uh, um, that the Endeavor shows were at to being in the ball 
ballroom, which is kind of like, right, you're in the ballroom now, yeah. so you've got to up your game a little bit. And, and Zach was the perfect person for Ali to be in there uh, for that for that kind of thing. Right. And yeah, I'm totally with you as far as Zach, Zach Gibson and how good he is. I'm surprised he's not a bigger deal where he's at. He seemed like even mm. when he kind of debuted in NXT UK, he had a lot of steam to him. And I guess he's doing good work on the tag team that he's in. But I feel like that's a guy that could be a top guy anywhere he is. Yeah, like, and he is he is what I describe as a wrestler's wrestler mm-hmm. as well, like quite easily, um, just like total professional. Like, there's one chapter I can't even remember what chapter it is, uh, but he's in a tag. I'm sure he's in a tag match or something. And uh, there's a big there's a jump start. The match started with a jump start. And Zach had just because obviously Zach Gibson started most of his matches on the mic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he was on the mic. He was doing the best in the world. You know, Liverpool's number one, soon to be the world's number one. He was doing all that shtick. And the match started straight away. And uh, for any non wrestlers out there, one of the one of the, the carnal sins in indie wrestling it's fine in WWE because they've got money but indie wrestling you do not drop the microphone you do not damage, right, right. throw the microphone you don't drop the microphone that costs money it's coming out of someone's wage pay. you look after the microphone so you know you you should find on most indie shows no one might lob you know in WWE they just lob microphones because yeah, yeah, yeah. someone hands them another one you can't do that <laughs> in indie wrestling there's like two microphones tops uh-huh. and so Zach takes the bump and he does this bump and he's still got the microphone in his hand and he's protecting it. Oh, no. And I'm like in such awe that he has managed to like start this match and he's still looking after the microphone that I'm like poking Glenn going, did you see that? And I realized we should have started commentary at this point because we're supposed <laughs> to start commentary as soon as the bell's gone. Yeah. And I'm too busy marking out that Zach Gibson has protected the microphone. So that is oh, that is. It. That is how much of a professional Zach Gibson is. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's always something I've taken for granted. You know, growing up watching wrestling, like you said, wrestlers on WWE, uh, they'll talk and then they'll throw the mic into the fucking crowd or whatever. <laughs> but then I go out and buy this little thing. I'm like, man, how are we, how are people just slamming these things and breaking? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's uh, it's something. But yeah, Zach Gibson's great, and like yeah. I said, it's a great, it's a great kind of uh, juxtaposition between him and Ali because Ali Armstrong's like. Very uh, lighthearted and comedic, uh, whereas Zach Gibson is pretty much what he is now. is very serious, serious mm. wrestler. So I think those two different styles uh, blended really well in this match. Yeah. Um, British, the British chants are particularly heavy in this match. They're, they're, they're kind of strewed throughout the entire show, but there's a lot of chants. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure it's vulgar in some way. <laughs> They don't like Liverpool here, I guess. No, right? no, no. You're in London, so you have to, you know, uh, you have to give you have to give anyone from Liverpool a lot of uh, a lot of gym here. So, so yeah, and the crowd loved it. They loved that, you know. They they there was a, there was a um oh god, there was a comedy show back in like the the, the early '90s uh, called Harry Enfield. Uh, it's a comedian called Harry Enfield, and he had he did a skit of three brothers who were from Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he you know they they really amped up the accents. They're like, calm down, calm down, you know, and so. Everybody was doing. They used to do throwback stuff like that yeah, to, yeah. Uh, to to Zach Gibson. Whenever Zach Gibson cut, he'd get. But then he, you know, he would just play on it. He would amp it up. He would, you know, he would always just just completely eat it up. Uh, and because of that, he always had the crowd in the palm of his hand. So right, yeah. Where's my stereo? That's that's the one. <laughs> that's the one I caught. <laughs> but uh, yeah, really good match here. You got Ali. Ali's kind of just being a little bit of banter in the beginning, kind of did the slow motion sent on over the rope and all that shit. Uh, but Zach eventually gets advantage, starts working holds, working the arm, 
for his uh, Shankly Gates submission. Yeah. Uh, there's one point where Gibson, so he does the whole deal where he runs into the opposite corner, springboards off the second rope, and then runs back into the opposite corner, but he slips on the, the turnbuckle pad in the crowd. Man, the crowd did not uh, let him get away with that. No, to say the no, least. <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. They wouldn't have done. No, the, I mean, the, 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 the progress crowd just, you know, you know, they, they saw and heard absolutely everything. Um, yeah. And so, you know, when something like that happens again, you can either let it get to you or you can just roll with it. Yeah. I think that was one of the things he the just, progress crowd, you could just roll with it. And, you know. Yeah. He just kind of sat in it. It's like, yep, <laughs> this happened. Yeah. Um, and Allie hits a, uh, an out of nowhere RKO. You know, it's out of nowhere because he screamed it at him. Uh, <laughs> Ali hits a uh, Olympic slam because he's, he's wearing a singlet. So I think the rule is if you wrestle in a singlet, you have to do an Olympic slam. Absolutely, I, I think you, you probably teach that in your in school, right? Um, <laughs> and then he goes for the Gaines bomb, which is like a Vader bomb but with a flip. Uh, but he misses, and then Gibson hits a, a second rope lung blower, followed by a PK, followed by this Shankly Gates submission for the tap out. So Zach Gibson wins here. Moves on to the finals, and that sets up Zach Gibson versus Flash Morgan Webster at a at a future show, which seems like a a great match to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and again, Flash. Flash I mean, jumping over to Flash. Flash was a really hot prospect at that time. Yeah, um, had really been building up a name for himself. I mean, it's funny, you know, someone like Zach Gibson being in the natural progression because Zach Gibson had been around as long as I had, you know, and, right? Yeah, but just not on the London scene and not in progress. Uh, so it's quite funny him being in a natural progression, which is supposed to be like the the young up and comers. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas Zach Gibson was very, very well established around, especially up in the north, um, up in the northern up in the northern scene. So um, yeah, and so to put like two talents like Zach Gibson and Flash together was, you know, you could just guarantee that was going to be a great match. Yeah, for sure. Um, any other thoughts on on that match specifically? Yeah, like I said, I just think you know it's it's again it's like Zach is the perfect person to 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 carry through a younger guy who has you know a less experienced guy who you mm-hmm. want to give a big opportunity to zach gibson is the perfect one to do it because so many matches that i commentated on it was zach gibson as well like mm-hmm. you when zach and most most often than not zach was the more experienced wrestler in the match yeah. uh but one of the beauties of zach is zach had a knack of still making you think the other guy could win like he right. that, that that is kind of the key to Zach's talents is that he could make you believe the other guy might actually just pull it off and win and then he would snatch victory away, you know, with the yeah. Shankly Gates is on, victory is snatched. Um and I think again this is a perfect demonstration this match of, of his ability to do that. Yeah. I mean it's the mark of a good heel, right? Is making yeah. uh, the baby face you're facing to elevate them, I guess. So uh but yeah, really good stuff there. But after that we get a little change of pace. We get a street fight, El Ligero. Versus Michael Gilbert. No gimmicks required. Michael Gilbert here. Uh, so the backstory, I suppose, is, you know, Gilbert's been kind of, you know, talking shit about Legero. How, oh, I don't need any gimmick. But yeah, this guy walking around in a mask and horns. So there's a kind of a personal issue there between these two. And they've been costing each other matches in the previous chapters. So that sets up this street fight. And um, they're both guys. They're out there in their jeans. Come as you are kind of deal. Um, so Legero comes out, he grabs a chair before Gilbert comes out and Legero goes to the stage, hides like to the side of the stage, which is a brilliant move. So when Gilbert comes out, Legero chucks the chair at Gilbert and, uh, immediately jump started here. Um, and Legero does a, uh, somersault off the stage, really, really hot, uh, start to this match. 
uh, Laguerre pulls out a uh, a road closed sign, which is just comedically big. I mean, it's like there's no need for a sign that big. Mm. Um, pulls out a is it was it Britney Spears? Was it a Britney Spears mask he pulled out? Yes, yes, that's what <laughs> I I guess sure. What, what else? Where else are you going to keep a Britney Spears mask than other a progress ring? Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, they're fighting all over the ring, getting tossed into the, to the front row, all over the chairs. Uh, but Gilbert. Uh, manages to get control eventually in this crack. So they're all, they're in their jeans. It's a street fight, right? And then Gilbert rolls Leguero into the ring. Leguero's down. He's out. Michael Gilbert takes the time to take his shirt off, take his pants off, and he has the wrestling tights and knee pads and boots because he's a serious wrestler, damn it. Of course. Not going to do this this gimmick match stuff. And uh, (laughs) so Gilbert grabs the chair as if he's going to hit Leguero with it, but he just sets it up, sits on the chair, and just puts on a chin lock. <laughs> just, that's, how, that's how he uses the chair to sit, to, to help him with the chin lock. I, I think Gilbert smashed this gimmick. What, what, what were yeah. your thoughts on it? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I mean, he went for a real metamorphosis later on in later chapters mm-hmm. um, and turned completely, uh, did an about turn completely on this. But I think, you know, portraying that, that idea, you know, and it was kind of born out of the sentiment of like, everyone's so gimmicky in this promotion yeah. and everyone's got their gimmick. Everyone, I'm just going to be the straight lace wrestler and I'm going to wrestle that style. And, uh, and I think, again, that was the perfect way to do it was to kind of during the middle of this match to kind of say, okay, so, you know, all you fans, you know, you kind of wanted this, you wanted this street fight and here you go. We're going to start off with chairs and fight, and then boom, straight in the middle of it. Nope. Bam. Jeans are <laughs> off. Back to wrestling. I'm going to take this back. So I mean, you know, even though you, you fans wanted this, I'm taking it away from you. Right. Um, and I'm going to give you this as well. So I think that was a, uh, that was really intriguing. I mean, it did. The, the only thing was, I remember. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, in hindsight now, uh, maybe it doesn't really matter. I did find it strange that this was the match that was on before me and Sticks. Yeah. Um, considering the kind of stakes me and Sticks were kind of going into our match with, to kind of have a really gimmicked match, street fight type match, that did, did panic me a little bit. I got to be honest, mm-hmm. um, and I was I was a bit worried. I was like, oh my god, the crowd are going to be burnt out because I got you know, especially yeah. especially uh, you know. As I walk into the venue that afternoon and, you know, just rehearse the Bollywood dance, walk backstage and then, you know, and there's a, I'm pretty sure it was Jimmy Havoc who was doing it, was, you know, stapling the barbed wire down to a board. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, Christ, okay, (laughs) they're going to do that. You know, so that that panicked me a little bit. I'll be totally honest. It's like it's kind of like, oh wow, it's a real gimmick match. But I think you know, I think we balanced it all balanced out in the end. Uh, but I was I was kind of a bit yeah. worried, like going into that, like how you know, Christ, we've got to follow that. You know, they, they've got they've got a barbed wire board, <laughs> and we've got to follow that. So, but at know. the same time, could that be a sign of confidence and the bill that you and mm. Sticks established and the quality of match that mm. you guys could put on? So I guess, yeah, I think I think so. I think you know, I think we kind of knew we had enough going in again i think with with the entrance mm-hmm. as well yeah that's that's kind of a buffer in between the matches yeah i mean that was like a six minute entrance yeah, yeah. or something like because me and sticks together doing both entrances was like six minutes long so i think that did help to buffer it as well that kind of helped to just bring the audience down a bit and give them a bit of a filler before our match started yeah so. uh, but yeah it was uh yeah, but no, I mean, going back to what you said, though, yeah, I think it was, a, you know, I do think it was a great gimmick to kind of to, to have in the middle of all of this, right. you know, um, someone who just wanted to strip it down to like, no, this is pure wrestling. This is British wrestling. We're going to do it. You know, we're do it yeah. And he, he, he continues uh, with that because after this chin lock deal, there's like a pile of chairs set up in the ring. You know, they fight outside. The crowd throws chairs in the ring or they hand them to Leguero. Leguero sets them in the middle of the ring. 
But Gilbert kind of takes advantage. He sets Legero on the top rope like he's going to superplex him onto this pile of chairs like we've seen a bunch of times. But he, he like teases it. But instead, he just locks in an abdominal stretch on the top rope. It's just like <laughs> so good. Um, crowd hates it. Like you said, they wanted the gimmick. They wanted all the all the tomfoolery, but he's not going to give them any of it. Uh, but eventually Gilbert gets knocked off onto these chairs. Um, and then Legero goes to the outside as if that's not enough, grabs a bag of thumbtacks or I'm sorry, drawing pins, drawing pins. right? <laughs> right. Of course, uh, <laughs> lays them out on, uh, on the mat, uh, Legero. So this is whole, they're trading moves. Who's going to get, you know, sent into these drawing pins. Uh, Gilbert goes for a tiger bomb into him. Uh, but eventually uh, Legero fights back, but Gilbert hits a spinning slam onto Legero. Legero lands in the tax and then fucking Michael Gilbert picks him back up and gives him a, a blue thunder bomb into the tax. Brutal. Br- have you ever taken a thumbtack spot? No, um, I, I have taken a uh, stack of poppadom spot before. Um, which uh-huh. really hurt because poppadoms are very sharp and crispy, especially when you bump into them. So I completely scratched up my back <laughs> on poppadoms. What? That sounds very British. What are poppadoms? Poppadoms are uh, very, very Indian, really. Uh, they oh, okay. are the kind of if you ever if you ever had Indian food, uh, yeah. they're very they're like large crisps. Basically, they're just like giant crisps. Uh-huh. Um, which you know, they're sort of these round discs. They're very crunchy, and you snap them, and you know, they're very crunchy and stuff like that. So it's like basically, you know bumping on a load of potato chips which you know is isn't as fun as it sounds because they're really sharp and scratchy so okay, you know what i can't say that i've taken a bump on a bag of t- potato chips uh, so i'll take your word for it there you go but no i've never i've never i've never been blessed with a bag full of thumbtacks thankfully um oh, there's still I'm, time you're still going still time. God. <laughs> um so yeah that happens and then the, it's not over like you you brought up before Legero, uh he fights back and then he walks to the back Grabs a barbed wire board. So it's a piece of, I guess, plywood with barbed wire. And you said Jimmy Havoc stapled it to that's like so, uh, so on brand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so set the board gets set up in the ring. Barbed wire is strewing out of it. So both guys are trying to slam each other into it. It's, it builds great antis- anticipation. I was like, pucker it up, like watching like, who's going to get slammed into this barbed wire. Really good stuff there. But eventually, Laguero hits a cutter onto Michael Gilbert's goes basically like torso first into this barbed wire and Legero wraps uh, like a loose strand of barbed wire around the throat of Gilbert in like a cross face kind of submission. Like uh, Gilbert has to tap. So Legero gets the wins here in a, uh, a brutal, brutal magic. Gilbert's the whole stomach yeah. is bleeding and he actually gets a standing ovation oddly enough because he'd been so heavily booed coming into this, but I think he walked out with a lot of respect from the fans there. Yeah, I mean, you, uh, you know, as much, I mean, the fans were totally into the gimmick anyway, you know, so they yeah. were totally into this and booted, but obviously they also appreciate you uh, when you went out and really, you know, put your body out on the line and stuff like that. And they, the fans always, the progress always really appreciated that kind of thing. So it wasn't a surprise to kind of get that kind of reaction. Yeah. Uh, but again, I, you know, I, I appreciate the storyline. I like, And again, I like that storyline of like, no, I'm the straight lace wrestler. I'm not going to use any of this crap. But actually, later in the match, is like, well, actually, yeah, I am going to try use it now. Right. <laughs> and you know, and I think that's always, you know, obviously, like a good heel, they sell out their principles, you know, uh, the first opportunity. So I think that's, uh, and that was nicely played in that they did that as well. So, uh, but yeah, I remember, I remember the blood. I do remember them like coming back and covered in blood and stuff like that. And 
Right. Uh, you know, and I was like, wow, you know, that was, that was brutal. So, but any, anytime I ever see barbed wire, it just makes me shiver. So yeah. <laughs> fair, fair play to them for that. Yeah, the, the getting out of it seems like the worst part to me because yeah. you get slammed into it, but then you have to like rip your skin off. Oh. Trying to can only imagine, but um, mm-hmm. so you have all this carnage, all this brutality, all this violence, the weapons, the sharp objects, and then we have my guest here, RJ Singh, following that up against Sticks, career versus career. Um, it's like we kind of mentioned, this was all set up in the previous chapter. A uh, very personal kind of vendetta established between you two. So it's kind of sticks was like, hey, you have this cushy teacher job. Wrestling's all I have. And then you kind of go back at him about him traveling to America, not finding success there. A b- bunch of stuff that was covered in that promo. And that, that promo before it, I didn't know you guys were associated with each other at all. But whatever it was, five minutes later, I'm like totally into it, totally invested. And um Obviously, very high stakes here, career versus career. So whoever loses, they don't just leave progress. They have to retire, allegedly. Like all good wrestling retirements. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're the Ric Flair of, of the UK. That's it. But yeah, we, and we talked about the uh, the entrances earlier. Uh, you come out, Sing as King by Snoop Dogg. Uh, all the dancers, all the, the streamers, just an incredible, incredible presentation. Um, and sticks at the same token comes out. He comes out and is wearing like a regular ring jacket, but then he turns around and grabs his chain, which I guess is what he made his name off of is coming out with that chain around his neck. So the reason I like this is because you cut you both of you, the way you come out is as if it's your last match. So it kind of sets the tone of like, okay, these guys are like building this up. Like it's the finale on both of their careers. So feasibly any guy could lose. So, and going into this, I didn't really know, who lost. I was guessing you because I knew you went in the commentary eventually. But um, going into this, I think you guys did a good job at, at establishing, you know, who, who knows who's going to win this. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the one of the major things here was was there was so much behind the scenes that kind of went into this, like mm-hmm. um, with Glenn, uh, you know, one of the progress owners. He was a, he was an actor, obviously. And so he worked a lot on the promo stuff with us. Yeah. Um, because he, you know, obviously he kind of wanted it and, he, you know, he wanted it just like how he envisioned it. So he helped us a lot with that. Um, obviously, we were able to draw on a lot of personal history. So a lot of what we said and obviously we, you know, we we did talk to each other beforehand. And we're like, I'm just going to mention this. You know, I'm going to mention your divorce. And I'm going to mention your daughter and stuff like that. And so we said we knew we were going to say stuff that was really personal and, that you know, we knew that when we reacted to it, the crowd would react because yeah. they would be like, oh, my gosh, they, you know, they actually said that about each other. You know, I can't believe it. Um, and then, you know, and obviously we said about the big entrance and I wanted to do the big Bollywood entrance and they, you know, perhaps recall that, but I think what, what, what's, you know, and, but sticks like, again, I think that was the thing, the layers we kind of tried to add into this as well. So like sticks having not come out with the chains for a long time, like how he used to, it was kind of like, I'm going back to the old sticks. So obviously why he went back out, came back out with the chains again. And what I think was amazing as well, like he then, and this was Sticks's idea. He just said, like, on your entrance, I'm not going to, I'm just going to be in the corner like I'm praying and I'm not going to move the right. entire And if you watch, the, if you watch the entrance back now, he doesn't shift at all for like the five minutes of my entrance. That, yeah, that, that, that imagery of him sitting in the mm. corner with just facing away from the ring and then the, the shot, because it shoots him from the face. And then in the background, you see you and all the dancers dancing at the music, but he's just there so stoic. Like, it's, it's inc- an incredible image. 
Yeah, that's it. And I think, and again, it's like you say, it's 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 the, the real juxtaposition of the two things. You've got the, this lively, you know, loud entrance going on, and he's just there the whole time. And I think that was that was really fair play to him. Um, that you know that that was his idea, and I think that that, that paid off really well because, like you said, you got it, it conjures a brilliant image when you watch it back. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and that really sets the tone of the match. Um, so you guys both make your entrances. Uh, immediately there's your both awesome chance so the crowd clearly respects you too um you kind of meet in the middle jim smallman says he, he clarifies that whoever loses this uh has to leave progress or has to leave wrestling not just progress um no handshake you guys just go back to your opposite corners and the match gets underway so you uh so you guys are kind of staring each other down in the beginning and right off the gate you just hit him with a roll-up one, two, and then kick out. Like it's very like, oh shit, we're we're going now. Um, so the, the the intensity, I think that's one thing about this match. The intensity that you guys showed was uh prevalent both in the beginning and all the way through the end. And it is um honestly it's just a very old school match, but just done very well. You know, you weren't trying to, you know, out high fly Will Ospreay later in the show. You weren't trying to out gimmick the match we saw previously. You guys knew that this match had a really good foundation. I think you guys executed it really well. And, yeah, and yeah. again, I think, you know, the story we were trying to tell is two guys who know each other really well um, mm-hmm. are trying to get the victory really quickly over the other because you know, neither wants to draw this out, as it were, uh, especially in the early part of the match. Like, neither wants to draw it out. So it's kind of kind of be like, right, we've got to try and win as quick as we can. Yeah, and you guys are, and that's it, because there's a lot of counters in this, in this match because you guys obviously know each other very well. Um, so it kind of what it does is force you guys to do things you wouldn't normally do. So like, for example, you Knox sticks to the outside and then you go to the top rope and hit this crazy moonsault to the outside on the, on the sticks. I don't know if that's a common thing you did, but uh, not to the I outside. Really yeah. Um, the moonsault press around, you know, was, was part of my, my arsenal. And I think if you go back to chapter 12, you see me hit it on, on the London riots, mm-hmm. um, but never to the outside. But I was like, you know, again, I said sticks like this because we're going high stakes here and like the whole thing is supposed to be high stakes. I did it to the outside. The only thing I really remember about that, because it's quite early, I think it's quite, it's fairly early in the match. It's quite early in the match, isn't it? Yeah, so, fair, yeah. so when I kept, all I can remember is my, I think it's my right leg, my right knee comes down and really clocks him. Like I really clocked him with that or with my right knee on his head. Oh. So two thoughts go into my head of like, oh my God, like, have I just broken his neck? Because I really felt like yeah. I connected. And the second thing, I just, the shooting pain went through my knee. Ooh. And I was like, oh no. Right at the beginning too. I had this moment of panic of like, oh my God, you know, am I going to be able to get up and walk and stuff like that? So, but luckily it was one of those things of like, he was absolutely fine. He's got very hard head sticks. Uh, always okay. has done. So he was fine. And, you know, I shook it off as well. So, but, you know, I'd, ne- but I'd never done the moonsault to the outside. I'd never done that before. I'd only ever done moonsaults inside the ring. So, but again, you know, my, my trust for sticks, you know, the fact that he's the size of a barn door also helps mm. um, <laughs> because I knew he'd be there for me. So right. it was, a, yeah, it was, it was, it was, and it really was like, I'm just going to close my eyes and I'm going to jump and whatever happens, happens. <laughs> like point, you said, so. you can't miss him. He's a big bloke. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And talking about the match, you hit that moonsault and uh, classic sticks has to uh, outdo you a little bit. So he does. Mm. So you're on the outside, kind of like leaning against the front row. He's in the ring. He sprints towards the rope, hops up to the top rope and leaps at you. But you get out of the way. So he just goes cascading into the the first couple rows of chairs, which is a uh, 
again, it's like you guys know each other so well, so you have to like yeah. bust out all these crazy moves that you wouldn't normally see, which I, I like that a lot. Then uh, the guys finally get back into the ring. Uh, Sticks is able to fight back a little bit. He hits a, uh, a boss man slam, but it uh, doesn't want to go for the pin. Hits a second one. Still doesn't want to go for the pin. It hits a third. Goes for the pin, even though it doesn't, he doesn't want to end your career. But he goes for the pin. But you kick out at two. And then uh, so you, you know, you're fighting to get back up. You've just been hit with these three huge slams. Sticks charges at you in the corner. You counter with a super kick. You hit a falcon arrow and then a mm. sington bomb for a two count. Be- beautiful swanton, by the way. You see a lot of guys, they like mm. overshoot it or whatever, but perfect. Uh, very Sinkara esque. <laughs> sorry, Sinkara. Um, then, uh, so you both, both you guys get up. You kind of hug in the middle of the ring. You're kind of overcome with emotion of what this match is doing. Uh, but you, you, you dirty dog, you push him off out of this hug, super kick to the chops uh, for a two count. I thought that was it. I was like, man, this smarty, this smarty dude is going to get this win this way. Um, Sticks responds with a sit out power bomb of his own. He gets a two count. Uh, really good false finishes towards the end. Yeah. But ultimately, that damn Sticks hits a brutal cross power bomb onto yourself and he pins you, gets the win. And then you just never wrestle again after That's that. It. So, ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> but yeah, great, great match. Um, I mean, what what was any other like thoughts as far as like what went into it or yeah, like, what was happening during it? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, the hug spot I think was Sticks' idea. I think he said that he was like, "Let's have this moment right where we, you know, we're both uh-huh. down, we both get up, we look like we're about to go for it, and then we kind of hug." Uh, but then straight away, like, right, then, bam, you, you know, it's like we've had that moment of, like, we're still friends. And it's like, then, bam, hit me with a super kick and go for the, you know, <laughs> go for the you know. Um, And so, again, you know, I think, I, you know, I had said, I had said a year before that, like, this is probably going to be my last year. Um, because at the time, it was, you know, I really felt it was um, just because the way life was turning out. Um, yeah. So, again, it was that kind of. The, the 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 mission of the match, even though most people pretty much knew it would be me losing, it was to try to convince them otherwise. It was like, let's just see if we can try to convince them that actually, you know, it might be sticks. You know, it could be. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of again, that's what we were going for. Um, but there's one bit we did. I think the, the twist. There was like a there's a, a sit out power bomb he does, which isn't the, the finishing power bomb. It's another one. But we actually stole that from uh, Eddie Guerrero and Test. I think from WrestleMania, oh, really? seventeen or eighteen or yeah. something. Like that. We'd we'd seen it. We'd seen it and. Because the way it sets up is like you run in, I run into sticks. He sort of twists me and then twists me again, and then powerbot does the powerbot. We we were such a big fan of that. We 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 yeah. we we'd done that, and we hadn't done that in about five years. At that point, we we're like, let's throw that in again. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah. that. Can we still do it? Oh, well, let's find out. <laughs> um, but the the, the 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 final thing was just the uh, was the was the powerbomb because I I've taken that powerbomb off sticks multiple times. And every time, without fail, it's knocked the wind out of me completely. And it looked like it. You, you <laughs> smell like a, a bag of rocks. <laughs> just literally every every last breath of air just leaves your body. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if it. No, it wasn't this one. We did we did it back in. I want to say like 2004. Uh-huh. We did that. We did that to finish a match back in 2004. And he really chucked me up high. Came crashing down. And then, so it knocks the wind at me, and this is back in 2004, and he, then he pins me with his hand on my chest. So not <laughs> only have I, like, lost the ability to breathe, he's further <laughs> restricting 
any chance I have of re- right. I, I remember I remember that back in 2004 just going thank god that is the end of the match because I actually legitimately don't think I could get back up and continue <laughs> on and I had exactly the same feeling in 2014 yeah. 10 years later he hits me with the same move and I just had the same feeling. I'm like, thank God that is the end of the match because I've right. got, got no breath left in me and that 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 is it. So um yeah, and that's it, that's it. And then, you know, um and it was weird, it's weird seeing it back now as well, like at the time, because I was like, Wow, that's like the final three count and that was you know. Um and yeah, it was it was a re it was a surreal moment. It was a mm-hmm. surreal moment and it was kind of that, you know, because I think when when the three count went off as well, I don't think there was that massive pop of like, whoa, but it was that kind of like, oh my God, it's actually, yeah, that's yeah. It. the three count has actually happened. Like, right. you know, that's it. And that was the, that was kind of the atmosphere of the crowd. That's what, certainly what I remember, you know, at the time when, you know, when we were doing the show was that crowd just kind of had that, oh my God, it's actually, you know, well, gosh, it's actually happened. They've really gone through with it. They've really done mm-hmm. it. There's no, there's no screwy finish. There's no screwy twist here. It's like that they, they, they've gone ahead and done it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. After the match, I was waiting for somebody to, I was waiting for like sticks to hit you with a low blow or <laughs> some, <laughs> something to happen. But no, it's really just you lose. You, you cut a you know a great promo for thanking the owners, the wrestlers, the fans. Uh, the king has left the building, as you put it. It's great, which is a great line. Um, then, you know, you leave, you know, you're at the music plays, you leave. And that's just like, Again, like I'm waiting for something to happen. Like, oh no, sing can't be done. Like something's got to jump start here. But nope, you just leave, and uh, they cut to like a, a side by side image of uh, your you and Sticks. Your stare down in this match, and I guess one of your first ones. Do you remember yeah. like, what that that older picture was from? Yeah, it's from like 2002. So the older picture was from like 2002 when we were both like just that was like in our second year of wrestling. I think it was so. Right. You know. Um, we uh yeah again progress had asked for some old photos of us together so like you know uh, the, the month before i'd emailed him a load of pictures like pictures from our weddings and all kinds of photos and it was, that's cool it was great so it was great that it was almost a happy accident pardon me that we had the create recreated the second photo of like the two of us with the referee in the middle and yeah, then yeah. We kind of went back and so it was, it was cool that we you know that they had those side by sides and it was really great you know yeah no, that's a great shot yeah for sure it's in sticks. Is sticks still going nowadays? Yeah, yeah. He um, he 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 took some time away uh, a couple uh-huh. of years ago. Um, so he he owns a wrestling school up in Nottingham called House of Pain. Um, okay, which, very successful wrestling school. Then they've he's just in the last month upgraded to a new building with uh, you know two rings, multiple gym equipment, stuff like that. Um, and so, but he took some time away. He needed to refresh. About mm-hmm. gosh, I think it was about five, four, five years ago. He took about a year up, yeah, a year away from the ring, um, spent some more time with his family, um, just concentrate on the wrestling school and get the wrestling school up and running. And then, you know, again, got the bug, came back refreshed, got the bug mm-hmm. again and has been, yeah, has been wrestling ever since. So still going yeah. strong. I just saw a picture of him recently. He's looking jacked. Oh, he's, yeah, big, big, big old boy, his old sticks. Yeah, he, uh, he always, you know, always was. And, you know, again, at age 40, he's looking great. Uh, he's looking great for his age, so. Right. Yeah, both you both you guys actually are looking like way more jacked than you are in this match for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. It's Aging like, like yeah, a fine wine. Absolutely, yeah. I'm probably I'm probably in better shape now than I than I was uh, than I was back then. And as I say, so sticks as well. So Right. But, uh, yeah, and it was nice, you know, they, they kind of you know, they gave me the mic time and you know, there, there was genuine tears like at that point for me. It was it was, mm-hmm. you know, looking out to the crowd, the crowd, you know, there's loads of people crying in the crowd. 
Um, and Jim as well. Jim was still in the ring, had a tear in his eye as well. So it was a really, yeah. you know, really hugely emotional moment. So, um, and you know, to have that have that kind of moment was was great. I've got some. There's some really wonderful photos as well. Mm-hmm. Me stood on the turnbuckle for the final time, and everyone stood up. Yeah. Um, but it's true. But I did, I did tell a story. I, I, I kind of hinted at it in the promo at the end, where I say, uh, you know, one day I'll tell you all about the story about the guy who nearly, ref- you know, turned down progress. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a true story because when I first got contacted by progress, I mean, no one had heard of progress. Um, and they messaged me and they're like, yeah, we're going to be running in London. And no one ran in London back in right. you know, that part of that, that part of the late 2000s. Nobody ran London because no one could seemingly get much out of London for shows. And they're like, we're coming to London. And I was like, so, you know, I was like, you know, I was, I was emailing them back and forth and I was like, you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of promotion are you looking to be? And they were like, oh, you know, we're kind of going for this strong style, Ring of Honor, Dragon Gate mm-hmm. kind of style. And my actual genuine reply was, and you sure you want me? <laughs> like, you sure you want me? Like, I was like, yeah. it's not really what I do. And they were like, no, 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 we think you're perfect. We think you're perfect. Um, so, yeah, so I nearly turned down progress entirely. Uh, that's that's wow. kind of what I alluded to in that program, about that promo. So, but, um, and this will be a nice segue here. But uh, I spent, I, I, that, what followed was the interval. So that, that, mm-hmm. that our, our match brought us to the interval um and i pretty much spent the interval going around talking to people and you know thanking everyone and da, da, da. uh still you know in my gear you know and all that and and then i actually didn't i lost track of time um and i don't know if you can sit you might not be even not might not be able to sit on the but so i was actually still out there when when osprey and robertson started their match I was, oh, really? <laughs> I was still at the bar so like that's hilarious it was either just as their entrances were going off or once they'd got in the ring i think it might have even they started i kind of edged myself away around the cameras and then to the back again <laughs> i'm still out there <laughs> the uh the thought of you like having this real emotion you have this great match you know you give a great promo it's emotional you're like seeing all your friends in the back it's this, this great moment and then you have this next bullshit happens as this is going on so <laughs> So that after, so like you said, that's the uh, basically the main event going into the uh, the halfway main event. I don't know if that yeah. is a term, but um, it goes into the intermission. And during the intermission, they hold a raffle, and boy howdy, if whenever they they show the raffle on the DVD, you know some shit's about to go down. I think the last time they did it was when Jimmy Havoc turned heels, so you know you know yeah. some some was up here. Um, so we got the raffle, and. Uh, you big raffle fan, first of all? Uh, depends. I think, you know, certain shows, I think it, it fits really well. I mean, it, yeah. is, it is a long-standing tradition of British wrestling. I don't, do you have that in American wrestling? I don't, do you have raffles in American um, wrestling? So we, we have them kind of just in general in America every now and then, yeah. every so often. Yeah, they're kind of a staple of British wrestling shows over here. Um, right. It's just, you know, and obviously that, that you know, which, which comes from our, you know, our county fairs and school fates and things like that. There's always a raffle. So, yeah, yeah in British yeah. wrestling, you kind of get, you get used to it. I think... The, the people who hate the raffle, though, because generally a lot of promotions do the raffle before a match. So they won't do it just just before the interval or going into the interval. They'll do the raffle. So say, like, second half will start, there'll be a match. And then before the next match, they'll have the raffle there. Uh-huh. The people who hate the raffle the most are the two guys who are stood behind the curtain waiting to come out. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, will you just get on with, you know. Like I was, I did a show on Saturday, and exactly the same thing. They're like, "Will you please just get on with the right. like?" <laughs> so the two guys always waiting behind, waiting for the raffle to finish. Absolutely hate it. So, would uh, you rather follow a raffle or a, a match that had barbed wire boards in it? 
<laughs> God, I think, I think on this show, I think I think we made the right call on this show with the, uh, following yeah. the barbed wire match. <laughs> At least he had some momentum going, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so we have a raffle here, and they had this whole deal where they, uh, I guess they they pick the winner on a, like a little projector screen that's on the side. Uh, so the lights go out, and they it's like a countdown clock. There's the crowds chanting Y2J, which is hilarious, um, and then. <laughs> By God, the, the the countdown clock gets hacked. And uh, so there's this weird, ominous music of like growling. Like, I don't know how you would describe it. Mm. Um, and so, F- by the way, FSU is out there, I should mention, because they're yeah. going to present the raffle, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so they're out there and then the lights go out and then the screen gets hacked. And all of these people come out wearing, what would you get? Is it like purge masks? Um, no, they were what's it called masks? Um, v for Vendetta. Oh, okay. The Guy Fawkes, the Guy Fawkes masks. Right, right. V for Vendetta. That's what they were. Yep. So you got like a bunch of people coming out wearing those masks. Some of them get in the ring. I think it's like three of them get in the ring, and they start beating down FSU. Uh, they pull out a toolbox, just un- unload the toolbox onto the mat. There's wrenches and screwdrivers in there, and they're using all these tools to. Uh, decimate fsu the the friendly was it the friends standing united friends stand united yes and um they are not standing here they are on the they're on the ground and uh eddie dennis gets his feet taped to the ring post as they continue to beat on him beating up marcus so this, this lasts for a while and the crowd doesn't know how to react to it because like i said out there this whole time there's this like weird like <laughs> like weird music sound effects going on and they're all in masks and black hoodies and pants um so uh yeah i guess that sets up a uh, little feud between them who feel free to let me know on spoilers who who are these guys in masks and do they amount to anything really the the masks were how many were there? Were there three guys or two guys? There were like three main people in the ring, I believe, but there were like a couple surrounding the ring. So one of them was Danny Garnell, who I wrestled okay. on the previous chapter. Yeah. Danny Garnell was one of them. Um, another one was Damon Moser, uh, who was sort of, uh, was again another progress trainee, uh-huh. came up through shows and would feature later on. Um, and I think one of them was Legiro. Oh, really? One of them was Legiro as well. Um, I thought I saw some horns poking out. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, quite obviously, because the the, the shape, size, and physique is clearly him. Right. <laughs> it's really obviously him. So, um, but then, yeah, and and they later introduced. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much I can spoil here. Introduced the leader of the Faceless as well. Okay. Um, which is a returning Nathan Cruz. Oh wow! That's who awful. had been out? Who had been out yeah. for some time? Um, and then came back as the leader of the faceless. Uh, and then literally as soon as they revealed Nathan Grizz, didn't they stopped being the faceless. Okay. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. They, they stopped being the faceless. They kicked out Garnell and Moser and they reformed with Gibson and Mastiff and became um, not the originals. What was their name? It sounds very much like retribution. And the origin. Retribution. Sorry. There you go. They were called the origin. They became the origin. Oh, that's pretty cool. That, that sounds the or- interesting. Yeah, they became the so they kind of it evolved. The, the, like I don't think the faceless thing got over as much as they wanted it to. The crowd really weren't into it, um, right. and, and they kind like of 
there's a what the fuck chant after this. Yeah, that gives you any indication of how they felt about it. Yeah, I mean they did various things with the face as well. They're like they they they, they you know they messed with privacy social media for one one day. They mm. took over the social. They did all that kind of thing. But I just don't think the crowd ever really got into it. I've got to say 100. They were kind of a bit underwhelmed by it. So as soon as they did the reveal of like Nathan Nathan. Nathan Cruz is the leader, right. and you know, and then they they kicked out Moser and Garnell, and you know, had Mastiff and Gibson replace them as as the origin, and then they kind of just took over as the origin there, and gotcha. I think that was probably the right the right call. Right, man. In hindsight, maybe they should have just had the raffle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that probably would have gotten over more, huh? Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, oh man, if there's if there's any two guys that could follow this that tomfoolery that just happened it's paul robinson and will osprey uh facing off here in this next match and uh the will osprey's thunder bastard title is on the line which uh for anyone unaware that's basically mr money in the bank kind of a deal and that kind of plays into the the end of the show um paul robinson will osprey former tag team partners former swords of essex uh, Paul Robinson turned on Will Ospreay a few chapters ago mm-hmm. and joined uh, Regression along with Jimmy Havoc. So very personal feud here. And um, <laughs> everybody in the crowd hates Paul Robinson. I mean, that dude is just he, he looks like a rat. Like I, it's an easy person to boo. Um, there's a Jimmy's little bitch chant. There's uh, at one point Paul Robinson. He has Osprey in like a uh, a chin lock. And he yells up at the balcony where I guess Osprey's fiance is. Paul Robinson asks, I don't even know what he said. He yells at her. But then she yells back, Yeah, you fucking wanker. So the crowd, crowd pops hard for that. And so did I. That was amazing. Um, but yeah, really good match between these two, as you would expect. Cool. A, a very young Will Osprey, very different than his current presentation, but still super fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and Osprey starts this match. He's wearing a T-shirt, which I found I thought was odd, but it turns out because Robinson eventually rips it off and he's, mm. he's covered in KT tape all over his back and neck. So I guess he has an injured back and neck. Yeah, uh, which Paul Robinson pretty much attacks throughout the entire match. He's doing these like close fist punches like right on the tape. Um, but uh, towards the end, Will fights back, hits like a six one nine over the top rope somehow. Uh, hits a standing shooting star, a big brain buster. Uh, doesn't get the win though. So you got lots of counters, lots of good false finishes in this match. I, I popped hard for that DDT that Paul mm. Robinson did. I don't know if you caught that, but he's basically, I don't know how to describe it. It was like a running DDT, but it wasn't like a jumping deal. It's like more of a spike. Yeah. Like uh, just a really good DDT. I know you're a big DDT fan yourself. So <laughs> I'm a DDT. That's moving wrestling. Best but, move. Um, ultimately, Osprey hits the os cutter, followed by a flipping DDT. If you can picture that in your head, calls it the Essex Destroyer, mm. and uh, that gives Will Osprey the win. So, uh, yeah, really good match. Will Osprey is still the Thunder Bastard, and uh, yeah. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, and obviously, you know, Will and Will and Paul knew each other really well from like backyarding days. Oh. Um, I knew Paul for a long time uh, before this. Um, uh, and we, me and Paul have wrestled multiple times for a, a company called Lucha Britannia. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, Lucha Britannia, which wasn't really strictly, a, which wasn't a wrestling company really. It was like an entertainment sort of company, burlesque yeah. kind of company. Uh, and the wrestling was just part of the show. So uh, Paul, Paul 
would wrestle as a character called Leon Britannico, which was your, you know, British baby face. Uh, and I'd, I'd wrestle under a mask as a, a, a Bengal tiger, uh, wearing a tiger Hell mask, yeah. like an orange tiger mask. Um, and so we wrestled multiple times and, and Paul had always been, Paul was like the high flyer of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was always our high flyer. And I think what people didn't realize, and I don't think progress ever really saw it is that Paul was as an adept high flyer as Will Ospreay. Yeah. But Paul kind of saw the writing on the wall of like, Will is going to be the British. Will is going to be Britain's next big high flyer. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to completely do a 180. I'm going to change everything gotcha. about me. I'm going to stop, you know, eventually I'm going to stop wearing tights. I'm going to go wear jeans. Um, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop because Paul could do like shooting star presses, moonsaults. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul could Paul could do a shooting star press from the top rope and land on his feet. But he was like, nope, not going to do any of that because you've got Will Ospreay now. So right. I'm, I'm just going to go in completely the opposite direction. So in all the matches I had, you know, and when I used to wrestle Paul and Paul always took kind of the, the babyface role. He would always be like flipping around, you know, Harakaranas, all, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think this was like the first time people had seen Paul be a heel um, and, and really work that heel style where, yeah. again, he wasn't doing any of the high flying stuff as well. Um, and it was, I think it was quite a refreshing change as well. So mm-hmm. and again, he could, he could, he was so, his style was so aggressive and, you know, he would really get the crowd's backs up. Like, you know, they really loved booing him and they really hated, they really hated yeah. him, you know, and he was, he was very good at, again, again pulling on those strings. Um, so again, you know, t- two guys of that, that kind of talent, you'd, you know, you not surprised that you got such a great match. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, early progress days, he was just like you described, the baby face flying everywhere, doing all these flips and kicks and her and Conranas and all that. And then that, that's a great point you brought up about how Will, Will Ospreay is clearly, even at this point, is going to be the next big thing. So why mm-hmm. compete with that? Just go in a different direction. And I think that different direction, like you said, it was refreshing and it was very, uh, it fit him because you know, he shaved his head, mm-hmm. the, the black tights, and I guess the jeans later on is very, just a hairless gremlin out there it's very easy to very easy to boo <laughs> yeah definitely definitely great presentation great character yeah absolutely but speaking of characters we got kind of a transition here so we got party marty skrull versus noam dar so he's i think he's still going by party marty but he's was very he, much the villain had he, here had he had he put the denim i think it was it was he wearing a denim jacket i think and glasses by this point in the entrance because i don't he hadn't i don't think he'd gone fur coat and umbrella at this point I think so I th- in the in like the image, like the match graphic, he was wearing the jean jacket, but I believe he had the fur jacket. If actually I actually started doing the right. So, yeah, this yeah. was kind of the, the this was kind of the yeah, that transitioning match, I guess. Right. Yeah, like, I think he even had villain on his tights. Um, mm. So I think it was more of like a uh, almost like a tongue in cheek kind of deal. But then like I guess it evolved to be a more serious kind of deal. Yeah. Um, but he's facing off against Noam Dar here, who's one of my personal favorites. Noam Dar. He's. <laughs> Killing it in NXT UK nowadays. Did you ever get a chance? I, I'm sure you worked with him a bunch, right? We never got to wrestle. I never got to wrestle now. Really? Um, yeah. I, unfortunately, we were on a load of shows together. Um, you know, um, uh, we obviously did TNA Bootcamp together. We were on the, you know, we we're on the same show. We were on mm-hmm. the London Finals together for TNA Bootcamp, um, and used used to chat a lot and you know have chat about all sorts of things and whatnot. Um, uh, but yeah, no. Unfortunately, I never got a chance to get in the ring with him, which was which I really, you know, was was a bit gutting because he was one person I always really wanted, really, really wanted to work with. Um, because again, you know, I remember seeing him wrestle in person for the first time was on a show up in Manchester. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a Future Shock show up in Manchester, 
and it was the first time I'd seen him wrestle, and I was like, "Whoa, this kid is like, like super talented, yeah, yeah, like super." And uh, and he was still at that point where he was still, you know, young and fresh, and he sort of came up to me afterwards, and he was like, "Oh, have you got any got anything for me? Like anything you can say about the match and whatnot?" So, oh, that's cool. and we just chatted, we chatted about a few things there. Um, but yeah, he was he, he he's like one of my regrets of like I wish I'd had a chance to work this guy, and I, I never did get a chance uh, because again, you know, uh, and. I don't think in WWE we've seen really as as much of Noam as actually he is capable of mm-hmm. and, and what he's able to do, which which is a bit unfortunate. Um, but I still every now and again I like, I like going back and watching the, the I think it's a Monday Night Raw where they, they came to Scotland. Where he debuted, it was, his, it was his, his Monday Night debut was, and the pop is just oh, yeah. it's off the charts. It's that kind of you know shivers down your spine kind of pop. Yeah, I remember um, that because at the time I didn't know who he was, so I was like, mm. oh, I guess this guy's a big deal, huh? But now. If, I'm a big fan of NXT UK and of course watching back through these progress shows like I can now I can see how that build would be mm. that huge pop that it was so I'm, yeah absolutely yeah because obviously being in the Cruiserweight Classic as well right you know, it was, was was awesome so yeah yeah that was great but uh but the story of this match so again it's Marty Skrull versus Noam Dar so it's the chicken wing versus the Darley chop which <laughs> I guess is what 2014 is this great Kali uh, still a thing at this point? I don't really remember. I, I, I can't remember, but yeah, it certainly was for now. Um, so <laughs> yeah. there, was, there was a really unfortunate incident. I don't know if it was after this show or before this show mm-hmm. on one of the chapters where Noam went for the chop on Paul Robinson and just completely mistimed it. And he caught him like broke his nose. Wow. Might might not might might be a, a chapter following this one. Well, that would be hilarious if that's like the uh, well, not, maybe not hilarious, but like if that's the backstory behind the chop, that it's like shoot devastating. Like, oh, I guess yeah, it, <laughs> it may have been the last. It may have been the last time he used the chop because of that. It's just too devastating. This, this great yeah. Kali chop. You know, people thought people right. were trying to make a joke of it, but yeah, but like Paul Paul's nose, like he really caught him. Like again, sheer accident. But Paul's nose was like proper, like. You know, wow. I remember the photo, seeing the photo of it. So it was, I was like, I was like, oh my God, what happened to him? And everyone was like, yeah, it was the Carly. <laughs> <laughs> of course wow. it is. Of course it is. Of course. Um, I don't think Greg Kali ever injured anybody with this shop. No. He was no. the master of it, I guess, though. Um, so that's pretty much the story here. There's some fun chain wrestling here in the beginning. Um, it's kind of uh, borderline comedic, but that's kind of like the two characters are just two entertaining mm. guys. Um, yeah. but the intensity kind of ramps up towards the end where they're trading strikes back and forth, back and forth. Uh, they're both trying to hit their finishers, but ultimately Skrull hits a tornado DDT rolls right into the chicken wing, but Noam Dar rolls out and hits the Darley chop for the win. So mm. all in all, pretty enjoyable match, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you know, two, two, two guys, you know, very talented in the ring, knew exactly what they're doing. So Again, that the caliber of the talent there, you'd expect them to be able just to you know go in and, and pull out a match of that quality. So yeah, um, that's it. And obviously the chicken wing just be- became you know really over with the progress crowd as well. That became such a big thing for them, right? Um, and as much as you know, and I think that was one of the interesting things of progress. Like as much as they would boo the heels, there were certain things that heels did that they just loved and they were totally into. And obviously the chicken wing mm-hmm. was, was one of them. Yeah, for sure. And he's just dipping his toes into the villain stuff. So he's, he's really just getting started himself, too. Yeah. As is, as is Noam. But uh, that leads us to the main event. So we got the Progress Championship on the line. The champion, Jimmy Havoc, 
versus Rampage Brown versus Dave Mastiff triple threat match. Uh, so the last chapter, uh, there was a series of triple threat matches that Rampage won one, Dave Mastiff won the other. So now that sets up this match. So you have Jimmy Havoc, this scrawny, slimy heel trying to defend his title against these two monsters, which that's simple story. And I think they executed mm-hmm. this really well. Um, that's probably my, but my main takeaway of this, this whole show. I mean, yeah, yeah. You and sticks, whatever you retired, whatever, but they finally got rid of the staff. Yes. And they got a goddamn title belt. Finally, mm-hmm. a really good looking one too. So beautiful that, I mean, that belt is, you know, was, and still is one of the most beautiful titles. I agree. So well crafted. Um, I got up close and personal with that belt many times. No way, that sounds wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you know, and again, really, you know, I'm such, I'm a really big belt fan as well. Like, yeah, lots of people wrestling will know this. I'm a really big belt fan. Um, and I think Progress managed to just, I, I you know, personally, like the, the current WWE have got such a toy quality to them mm-hmm. at the moment. Like they look like toys to me and I, I'm, I'm not a fan. Um, probably no surprise here. The winged Eagle, the classic IC yeah. title are like my favorites. Um, and I think the, the progress belt really struck that balance really well between, you know, looking like a modern wrestling belt, but keeping a lot of old school sensibilities. And it was, you know, absolutely gorgeous belt. So I think there was a big pop as well. When, uh, I, when I he, Cause I think he, he had it under his jacket, didn't he? So he, like, unbut- he unbuttons his jacket and, because um, I think that's on YouTube because that's part of the entrance okay um, I need to check that out then yeah yeah so Jimmy came out with his coat done up with the belt so like no one kind of the crowd didn't know well, where's the staff so, it's, that's it yeah. they're all like, the staff. and then he sort of unbuttons his shirt very slowly and reveals the belt and you know big big pop from the crowd so. right well now that I know the yeah. staff was this big heavy p- piece of masonry like I kind of want the staff back now now, now it's kind of cool <laughs> before I thought it was just like a plastic like you go to a Halloween store and get like the, the scream little axe that's what I thought yeah. it was. Apparently, it was something special, but no, no legit. <laughs> but um, so yeah. Now the belt is finally on the line. Um, I guess the story is that Jimmy Havoc destroyed the staff. Commentary mentioned that briefly. I don't know if that was a uh... yeah. There was a video he he put out a promo where there was a, again this might it might still be on YouTube. I'm not uh-huh. sure, but there was a you saw him like literally break it in half and set fire to it. Wow. Um, which he yeah he actually did obviously. <laughs> so it's kind of like you know. Um, and I think that went out before the show, so kind of the crowd perhaps had the suspicion the belt was coming. Yeah. Uh, because, it, because I mean, I don't know if you picked this up as well, and you, or if you've covered it, it was referred to as a Nazi staff yes, by yes. the fans. And whilst I think if that hadn't happened, I think Progress would still to this day have the staff. <laughs> but they were like, oh, I just don't know how long we can keep going, and the crowd yeah. are calling it a Nazi staff, and everyone on Twitter's calling it a Nazi staff. We're going to have to bite the bullet and uh, and go for a belt. So, <laughs> we can't yeah, be the Nazi company. That no, be our thing. <laughs> I think that's, that's what forced their hand into like, right, sorry, we're getting a belt now. Right, I'm with the staff having a belt. So. Right. Well, I enjoy it. I enjoyed the belt yeah. for sure. Um, so we got these two big monsters versus Jimmy Havoc for the title. Jimmy Havoc, the smart guy that he is, starts off the match. By spitting in both of their faces. Um, so the first like few minutes of this match is just Jimmy Havoc just getting decimated by these guys. Uh, they like take turns body slamming them. Like who can slam them the hardest? And then they they're like, oh, who could give them a beal the farthest? So they're literally shot putting this guy across the ring. Um, they f- take it to the outside. He gets whipped. Jimmy Havoc gets whipped into the like wall of the balcony. S- so hard. I don't know how he didn't go through it. I don't know what that mm. wall is made of, but man, that was brutal. Um, 
they uh, set up some chairs. They set up like four chairs and they do a double hip toss on Jimmy Havoc through the chairs. And as if that wasn't enough, they set up a table and Dave Mastiff power bombs Jimmy Havoc off mm-hmm. the apron through the table. And that essentially takes out Jimmy Havoc from the match, or at least they think so. Um, but only one person can win this match. So Rampage and Dave Mastiff finally start fighting each other inside the ring. They trade uh, drop kicks. Dave Mastiff hits a, a beautiful drop kick. Uh, Rampage hits one as well, but he's selling the injury uh, that started the night when he got beat up by Screw Indie Wrestling. They attacked his leg. And uh, so he has tape around his legs. So every time he hits a big high impact move, he kind of gets up gingerly, which is a, a detail that I like about this. Um, so uh, they're throwing bombs in there, suplexes, strikes, all that stuff. Um, Mastiff hits a superplex on the rampage. I'm surprised we didn't see the old uh, Brock Big Show spot there with the <laughs> ring imploding. Um, but this takes the air out of Mastiff himself, even though he executed the move. So Mastiff rolls out of the ring. And this is Jimmy Havoc's opportunity to get back in, try to pick the bones on Rampage, but only gets a two count. So Jimmy Havoc then decides to pull out another table, sets it up in the corner. But as he turns around, gets speared by Rampage into the table, doesn't break it somehow. Uh, So but the table's still like leaning up against the rope. So Rampage just picks him up and power bombs him as hard as he can. And the table breaks. Um, Can only take so much Rampage brutality, that table. (laughs) Um, Mastiff breaks up the pin though, but then he gets Samoan rampage is so strong. Good God. He just picks up Mastiff on his shoulders like it's nothing and just hits a Samoan drop. Um, Mastiff is able to fight back. Eventually hits a German onto rampage into the corner and then hits his cannonball into the void. I believe he calls it now, uh, just crushes rampage. Uh, but havoc is back in, has that belt, that fresh new belt, clocks Mastiff in the back of the head with it and uh, Rampage who had just gotten hit with this cannonball he's literally just a dead carcass on the mat so Havoc decides to just lock in a knee bar Rampage isn't selling it because he's knocked out so the ref has to call it because he can't defend himself so Jimmy Havoc picks the bones essentially gets the win and retains the title Um, so yeah I think the story of the match the two big guys against the smaller champion Mm -hmm. I think that was a great thing going into it. And I think it was entertaining throughout the whole thing. Yeah. I think, I mean, from what I remember, it was kind of, it played into the storyline of like regression of mm-hmm. like, they're trying to stack the odds against Jimmy. They don't want Jimmy as the champion. So they're going to stack the odds against him. Yeah. And like the best success of him not be, and obviously, you know, you put the two, two of the biggest guys in the company in there, two incredible talents um, of Rampage and Dave, who, just always, and those two always made magic together. Yeah. I, don't know if, I don't know if you've actually watched British bootcamp. Um, uh, season two, the, the uh, TNA British Bootcamp, but they had they they put Rampage and Dave together for that. Oh yeah, um, and it was incredible. It was just you know the incredible match those two had uh, was was really great. Yeah, um, and so you know that you knew you were going to get a great match with those two involved. Mm-hmm. Um, Rampage again, another person I'd refer to as a wrestler's wrestler. Yeah, um, universally respected over here in the British scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you literally will not find. A wrestler who's got a bad word to say about Rampage um, because he's he's just incredible, incredible worker, incredible coach. Um, mm-hmm. He looks out for younger wrestlers, you know, and just the ring work is amazing and looks amazing as well. Um, and yeah, so you know, I I I, I 
was in, I enjoyed the storyline of like they were really going to try stack the deck against Jimmy mm-hmm. and you know even even getting wet, you know things involved like tables which is kind of Jimmy's wheelhouse you know even that gets taken away from him and yet he's still able to pull out the victory which right. you know, it, it was was the right call obviously um, for where where the storyline ended up as well so um, yeah I mean th- three guys who you knew you know would be really you know would really put on a great main event so for sure um, and I remember I remember, yeah I remember because I think by this point I'd kind of emotionally recovered and this was the kind of the match I came back and watched again mm-hmm. right? I, I sat in the back watching them watching the main event so um, yeah re- I remember really enjoying this live really really enjoying it live yeah yeah great stuff for sure uh, but after the match Will Ospreay comes out because remember, he's the Thunder Bastard and uh, he doesn't cash in tonight, but he basically challenges Jimmy Havoc at the next chapter uh, mm-hmm. for the progress title. So and the crowd's super hot for Osprey, uh, big main event. Osprey's he's really revving up as far as momentum goes at this point. So um, sets up the main events for the next chapter. And Jimmy Havoc's pretty much sitting there looking at his title, you know, pretty much pondering uh, what's, what's to come in the next few months. But uh, but yeah. That's how the show closes. And mm-hmm. uh, all in all, progress, uh, chapter 16. Uh, great show from start to finish. Obviously, you and Sticks had that emotional story, but you also have this carnage in the main event. You have uh, some lightheartedness and Marty and Noam and just really good wrestling throughout. So oh, overall, any other thoughts on, on this chapter? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was uh, it was I remember I remember the show closing out and it was, you know, it was a really great experience. And then like uh uh it kind of you could see all the seeds they had been planting and you kind of could see it again you know they 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 this was the start of like marty's slow ascension as the villain and where they go this would obviously set off you know the lot the long-running feud between will and jimmy um and you know dropping in the dropping in the the start of the faceless turning into the origins of that so there was a lot of like things being dropped in and set up here um, which would pay off at later chapters as right. well. So, you know, as things like my story had come to its close, you know, I'd come to a close on that. You could see the start of other stories just picking up uh, and just beginning at the same time as well. So it was, uh, yeah, I remember it being, a, you know, a really fun chapter to be mm-hmm. be part of. Um, and, you know, the ballroom, the ballroom always had such a wonderful atmosphere yeah. and there was always like, you know, a real buzz about it going into the day. I mean, and I remember that carrying on even when I came back as a commentator um, and doing doing pre-show because we used to tape a lot of um, pre-show things we put out on Facebook Live, right? And we we do it. We did one from the queue. Um, uh, we were out in the queue and just talking to fans. And it was it was a, it was a late, much later chapter. It was Jimmy and Will again had to come around, and it would. It would uh, I think the roles had reversed at that point. Mm-hmm. Will was the heel by that point, and Jimmy was the face. And it was fans bring the weapons, and so we did a live. <laughs> a live stream on Facebook going up and down the crowd, looking at all the weapons they brought along. Right. Um, they brought, they brought to the show as well. And just also using it as a slight filtering process of how dangerous the weapons were, <laughs> <laughs> what was going to be used and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, like show day, show days at the ballroom, always really buzzing, really, really, really exciting atmosphere. So, and this, uh, I think the show, you know, overall held, held the high standard that had been set for ballroom mm-hmm. shows and, and would continue to do so for some time. Yeah. I hope that atmosphere comes back at some point because that's uh, an experience that i'd love to be a part of for sure and i know mm. progress is in a very different place now yeah. in british wrestling i guess in general is in a very different place yeah. uh than it was here in 2014 or whatever the show was but um yeah yeah i mean uh, any other like thoughts on uh your run in progress overall the company itself um because it, it definitely made its mark on wrestling for sure 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I, I really enjoyed my time there. I was, I was grateful for the opportunities I was given and, you know, some of the, ma- you know, the matches I got to be part of um, for all the tag matches. Um, you know, like I said, a year, a year before, literally a year before this took place, I sat down with John and said, you know, um, you know, I said to him at the end of 2013, I was like, I think 2014 is going to be my last year. Um, I'd really like to do it in progress. Um, uh, and he was like, who, well, you know, okay, cool. Yeah. We'd love, you know, we'd love to do your final match here. Who do you want to wrestle? And I was like, I shot a couple of names. Um, one of which was, uh, uh Drake Maverick spud. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we'd been, you know, friends for a long, long time and wrestled with each other for years and years. So, but he had, he was in TNA at that point. So it was like, he's, and he wasn't, right. he wasn't in the country. So I knew that wasn't going to be a possibility. So I was like, the only other person he could be was Dix. So I was like, that's the only other person he could be against. So, um, yeah. and like I said, my, my only, my only regret is that we didn't perhaps maybe have one more chapter, you know, if, it would have been great if perhaps we could have started at chapter 12 or something or fed something in there. Right. Just to kind of just give it a little bit longer to breathe. I think I would have, it would have been great, but you know, it was what it was. And like I said, we, we, you know, as I said earlier, being able to manage to fit it in. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed my time. I mean, I, you know, I really love the garage as well. If you go back to the shows that were at the garage yeah. before we moved to the ballroom, uh, the world cup show as well. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that, that one. Um, doing that show was really, again, really good fun that, you know, the garage had such a great vibe. Um, right. Uh, and yeah, I was always, you know, treated really well by progress. You know, I, I, you know, I often thank them for being, you know, thank you for letting me, you know, be part of the history of it. Um, I was really honored when they said to me, you know, do you want to come back as a commentator? We'd really like a, you know, we've got Glenn, who's like the, 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 the play by play guy, but we want a wrestler on the comms. We want a wrestler on the commentary team who can talk about stuff and talk about moves and things like that. And so to be asked to do that. Um, was a real honor so yeah I re- really enjoyed my time and, and like I said you know like you said it's a very different place now um, and again I was very honored again because when Progress started doing these tapings that you now see going on the WWE Network and mm-hmm. and uh, I was once again asked to take up the commentary position um, but because of the pandemic and obviously with my, with my regular teaching job I just I couldn't make it work uh, unfortunately right. so um it's you know I you know it'd be, I'll be I would, I'll be interested to see where progress goes next and whether you know they come back to the live crowds and where those will take place uh, whether they'll mm-hmm. carry on at the theatre they're at I think it's the Peckham Theatre in London they're at currently so to see right. where they go next and you know and just and, and see what happens yeah for sure yeah and I'm definitely enjoying going through these earlier chapters and uh, well I'll look forward to listening to you fuck up FSU on commentary <laughs> over and over again so <laughs> Sure to I'm, keep an eye out for that. I'm pretty sure as well. I, I confuse Mark Haskins and Mark Andrews on multiple occasions. Oh yeah, I, not not you know, and that's really tough because I know both of those guys really well. Like you know, and I've wrestled both of those guys, but for some reason I just kept saying the wrong one <laughs> in the wrong match quite a few times. So yeah, yeah, I can see that happen. They're very yeah. similar beats and names, but uh, exactly, exactly. But yeah. Yeah, Sin Cara, they, thank you for making the time to uh, <laughs> make the time. No, yeah, they, for, thank you, RJ, for making the time to, to watch the show uh, and to come on and uh, talk about some progress wrestling. Uh, awesome. Where can everybody find you and check out what you're doing nowadays? Yeah, uh, Twitter's, Twitter's kind of the main place for me uh, to follow me. So it's uh, RJ Sing is King on Twitter uh, or Instagram as well if uh, you want to follow me there, which is, is a mixture of wrestling and also just pictures of my daughter um so and the, but that's king rj singh uh because rj singh king was taken on instagram by someone who doesn't even use the account oh, so oh, i couldn't have the two accounts the same unfortunately so i've, I've got you know so it's rj singh is king on twitter and king rj singh on instagram beautiful beautiful well 
once again, thank you. It was a great time. And uh, yeah, if you ever want to hop on again, talk about some of the glory days of progress, just, just holler at me. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Once again, thank you so much to RJ Singh for joining me on this episode. Such a good time with RJ. Such a cool dude. So cool to get his insight on not only his uh, monumental match that he had on the show, but um, on just progress in general. A lot of the people involved, the uh, the little nuances that happen within the chapter. So, so cool. Um, but yeah, check him out on Twitter at RJ Singh is King. All of his info in the description below. Check him out wherever he's wrestling. He's wrestling all over the goddamn place. So really good guy. Give him a follow. And uh, yeah, that's about all daddy has for you today. Uh, Apronbump.com for all of my full episodes. Make sure to check out the video versions of all my episodes on YouTube, posting clips there as well. Going to start pumping out some uh, some kind of short for, short form uh, podcast, mini podcast episodes up there. Some YouTube exclusive stuff uh, coming shortly. So keep an eye out for that. Make sure to subscribe and uh, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of my episodes. Got episode 100 coming up next week. And uh, it's just a good old time. I thought about maybe doing like a, uh, I don't know, like a like a retrospective of my hundred episodes. Maybe just having like a, uh, I don't know, a Q and A. But decided just to, you know what? Let's just have a good fucking time talking about WrestleMania 18. So that'll be episode 100, a WrestleMania 18 review with none other. Then Hulk Hogan himself. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, with <laughs> with the Get Show podcast. That's right. Not just Charlie, but brought on uh, Charlie, Justin, and Garn from the Get Show podcast, and we review WrestleMania 18, and then do a watch along of Rock versus Hogan. So that is a uh, that is just a silly, silly time. So keep an eye out for that as well. Make sure you don't miss that, and uh, that'll keep you over for the old Thanksgiving time. So, uh, yeah. All right. I'm done babbling. Thank you so much for listening. Love you all. Smooches, smooches, smooches. I'm hard.